Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's the Voice Live Rounds, and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your faves. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC. On this episode of The Reality Years, we're going to be discussing how does marriage or relationship change the way you live your personal life, cheating and wanting to stay, and why is breaking up so hard to do? Also, we're going to be discussing sexual harassment in the workplace and all that it encompasses right here on The Reality Is, where filtering becomes extinct. What money got to do with it when I don't know the full definition of a rap image? So glad winter is over. I think all the way over, but I'm um, enjoying the sunny, sunny life. Yeah, I was a little concerned about Dallas, man. It seemed like it was a little gloomy all the time. I mean, I didn't see two, two days of sunshine in a row since moving here, but... Mm-hmm. It's beautiful, it's, man. It started feeling like uh, kind of like Seattle. Yeah, it did, man. Yeah, I was yeah, like, are we in London? Two weeks straight, it was it was gloomy, rainy, snowy. So yeah, yeah this this Texas life right I here. Need to work on my tan, man. I got to get gold for this summer. <laughs> <laughs> so we wanted to try and kick uh, the show off by kind of informing you guys. You know, we always like to be uh, informative. So the word of the day is cantillate. Gary, can you put that into words for us? He's the philosopher on the show. Yeah, give me a second as soon as I pull up this. Uh... <laughs> Uh-oh. But I, I'll give you guys an example. This was to kind of mess, at, mess with Christian. So I cantillated the theme song along with Notre Dame after a win against Air Force. Miriam yeah. Webster, Miriam Webster yeah. says to recite with musical tones. So to me, uh, that takes me back to the, the, the old church days when they preach to get to hooping. Uh-huh. <laughs> Cantillating. Yeah, the whole uh, the whole Notre Dame versus Air Force thing. He did put on the notes we got that Air Force did beat Notre Dame in 2007, my senior year, uh-huh. just so we keep it straight. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. You know, I, I wanted to give that to him. Uh, the first time me and Christian met at a cigar shop, we were – uh, kind of reminiscing about those days, and he was telling me about um, him playing at Air Force, and I was telling him how I was a Notre Dame fan because it's one of Notre Dame's rivals. Um, how the hell I become a Notre Dame fan here in Texas, I have no idea, but, you know. You I, like a lot of those Midwest teams, man, yeah, the Chicago, Bulls, yeah. Notre Dame. I was like, you from Chicago? Yeah. yeah. Outside of outside of Dallas, man, or the Cowboys, yeah. I, I really don't have a team here in Texas. See, my team is Denver, man, Broncos. Yeah. And that's mostly because I got, you know, some friends and former teammates that play there. I do not like the Cowboys. Yeah. I yeah. just And I was raised not to like the Cowboys. Hey, well. <laughs> Where's dad play for the Chiefs? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah it makes so sense. They hated the Cowboys then. and Everybody hates hate. the Cowboys, man. Even if it's not a rival, people hate the Cowboys. They just but you hate know what? It's funny because the Cowboys, to me, scream like it's like the team that I think of when I think of white privilege. And, I mean, obviously it's <laughs> <laughs> all of them. But oh, I, Jerry man. Jones <laughs> – if he would just go back, he would just fade to black a little bit and let the Cowboys organization, yeah, you know. Do what they do. He is the face of the Cowboys, and it just annoys me. Yeah, that's a Jerry Jones thing. It's not a Cowboys thing. No, Don't right. blame the star. Right. But Trust me, most of the fans probably feel similar to what you do, man. Oh, I'm right. sure they do. While we look at the big time. dome from yeah. here. Right? Exactly, right. <laughs> it's so pretty, though. Yeah, it is <laughs> nice. We have a great, great view here in the studio. Um, the first topic we wanted to talk about today was how does marriage or relationship change the way you live your life? Um, the bullet points we wanted to go over was like the, basically like personal time. How does that, being in a relationship, a serious relationship or marriage, how does that change your personal life? And for me, 
um, if I get my perspective on it, I feel like it depends. You know, I think when you're in a relationship or you're in a marriage, me just speaking from being, you know, in relationships and, and, and dating situations, I make it known up front like I have a life of my own. And I think it's very important to still have not separate lives, but personal time that you have where you can go out, grab a drink with your friends, grab something to eat. And, and and just be able to be away and be able to miss each other and have a conversation uh, with each other that doesn't include you and her, you know, to be able to go out and, and not speak with each other all day to where you have something new or some kind of new material to bring to the table that night or the next day. And honestly, I don't feel like you have to talk every day. I think nowadays the reason people do kind of talk every day, if you think about it, when you first start dating somebody, you're trying to get to know them, and if you really like them, you talk every day because you want to get to know them. You, mm-hmm. you know, from a guy's perspective, you know, if we like a girl, we like to spend that time around them and hang out, and we are, you know, we give them a little bit more time than we would normally give somebody at the beginning. And right. it just when you start talking to a girl every day, they want to keep that going. You know, if, even if you don't call, they're going to text you or reach out to you in some sort of way to keep it going. Um, another big thing I think you should let them know up front if you're in a relationship is I think it's okay to have friends of the opposite sex depending on the situation. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if you get in a relationship um, and you've, if you've known a girl for five or ten years, I mean, I don't think it's mm-hmm. fair to just drop that friend because of an insecurity of a significant other just because you're moving forward. Now, of course, if she's causing conflict or trying to sleep with you and always giving you, you know, she has an agenda for that friendship, then, you know, but that's just my perspective. I think it, it, like you said, it depends. I think it depends on the, on the people that are in the relationship. And I think it depends on the point that in your life that you find yourself in a relationship. Cause I can remember back in like college or even before that in high school, you know, when we, you know, we would look back on those being kitty relationships and, those are the ones that you just feel like you got to spend all your time with this person and, you know, you, you can't have a life outside. But I think the older you get, the more you recognize the need to really be able to still be your own person and, and be in a relationship with somebody where you're still, you, you know, y'all are not one per se. You know, I know we use the language of when you get married, you become one. But yeah. that's kind of a problem when you actually do become one. Not, not from that perspective of being, you know, in this together but from the perspective where you, you can't differentiate between, you know, recognizing you need some me time, recognizing this is we time. Um, and I think that comes with maturity, honestly. I mean, Monica and I have been married five years, and yeah. we've, you know, progressively recognized that, you know, we do need our, our alone time and stuff like that. And like you said, it makes us want to spend time together when we do, as opposed to feeling like we have to, have to. you know, and things like that. So I think... I think, but it depends because I mean, a relationship goes through different phases. The longer you're together, and different kinds of relational dynamics change, and so man, yeah, it, it depends. Yeah, man. I, looking back on my life and the relationships that I've been in, especially the last one that I was in, at the time that I got in the relationship, I was a very immature man. I was running amok, um, you know, in, in my early twenties. So you know, my maturity level was pretty low. But the girl that I got with, I mean, she made me step my game up because, one, she wouldn't even get with me because she called me a knucklehead. And then the second thing was I didn't want to keep acting like that because I was like, well, this is the girl I want. Let me act right. So, I mean, you know, when you're a young guy, I was in the Air Force. So, of course, we played hard, but then we partied hard, right? Like heavy drinking, going out all hours of the night, just doing reckless kinds of things. But when I got in that relationship, man, I just – I saw myself kind of overnight mature and, you know, the, the way I lived my life was different. It wasn't that, you know, we had to be around each other all the time. 
or anything like that. It was like I wanted to be around mm-hmm. her. Like I wanted that. I wanted right. to do things together. And look, she was a fun girl too. So a lot of times we would be going out having a good time together. But when she was there, like I always knew the line that I couldn't cross anymore, you know. So I thought it was good in that sense. Um <clears throat> some of the one of the things you said was, you know, it depends on where you're at in your life. Like now you know, at 30 years old, I'm not that crazy wild guy. So I don't think I would have to change the way I live my life so much. I think what it would be more of is being more inclusive because, you know, when you're, when you're about 30, mid, early 30s, late 20s, you kind of have a way of doing things. Of and I think at that point, it's when it might be a little bit tougher to say, okay, let me be inclusive. Let me take what you have going on into consideration. So, yeah. so yeah. But I think you raise a good point, too, of, of um, not just being inclusive of the other person, but – you said something earlier, and I can't remember how you phrased it, but basically that you know, y'all were to the point where she was a cool girl. Right. So a lot of the stuff that you might want to go out and do, you know, where if you were with someone who was maybe more insecure, you'd feel like you had that, that, that had to be a separate part of your life that yeah. you didn't want to say something about. Or, but I think it's excellent when you can find somebody that you're genuinely friends with, that you can go out and y'all can go out and paint the town red, you know, together. Um, that, that makes relationships so much stronger and so much more fun man when you are literally friends with this person it's like man we can go raise hell together we can go to church together we can you know do whatever and of course you still have to have your boys or your girls that you're hanging out with but i think it's it's so rewarding when you when you're with somebody that you can you know there's nothing that's pretty much off limits that y'all are you know riding together basically and i think one of the things i mean when you when you consider a relationship is like the inclusion part like you always have to I know it, it depends on the girl but I think you you always have to have that mindset of including someone else you know yeah you know and I know for me that was it's still a hard thing you know mm-hmm. because I'm a person I I'm a loner like I get along with everybody but I I'm so selfish with my time and that's the one thing that you know anybody who's ever dated me or even you know I know my mom tells me all the time she's like you're a selfish person not selfish like you don't give but me giving my time to people I take it serious. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's. Worse. I mean, I think yeah. time is truly your most valuable it, resource. It really is, and I think a lot of people take it for granted. You know, like me spending, like, like me even coming in here on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Like, if I didn't like being around you guys, and I wouldn't even show up. I would be late. I wouldn't speak to you. But the thing about it is, we have a conversation, and we actually talk to each other during the week. Right. You know, we don't just give time on Saturdays, and it and it's important in every relationship. I know we were saying marriages, but. It's even important in friendships, you know, communication to be able to to include each other in what we're doing, to speak about things, to be honest about things. And and I think, like I say, you know, we're talking more so about marriage and stuff today, because I think that's really where a lot of issues are, marriages and relationships of the communications and including each other and put in. Sometimes I think the biggest thing you have to be able to not put your thoughts and, and your concerns on the back burner. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times when people come together as one, as Gary was saying, we put our own thoughts and things on the back burner, and, and, and it's okay to do that to a point. But I think you could do anything to a fault. Absolutely. I, I would agree completely. Um, it, like you said, it's okay to do that to a point. I think there needs to be balance, and not just putting your own you know, needs and desires on the back burner, but also in the situations where you might put the other person's needs and desires on the back burner. I mean, that, there needs to be a balance between, because obviously in, a, in a, any kind of a relationship, there's going to be sacrifices. Mm-hmm. There's going to be, you know, it, you're coming together. There's going to be, you know, different things that you have to kind of give up. There's, you know, but it needs to be reasonable because if someone having to give so much or sacrifice so much, then these people may not be very compatible. It True. may not become a healthy situation. for Right. Me. And, you know, I think that's kind of the start is compatibility. 
you should probably be in a relationship with someone that you actually like and not someone that it you know you might be in the relationship for reasons that uh you know that you really can't explain because you know i think it's important whether you're choosing a mate or you're choosing a group of friends that you're i won't say picky but that you at least have some type of uh i don't know standards for lack of a better term of who you want to surround yourself with because who you surround yourself with will truly like be a, a product of who you become mm-hmm. and you know i've just seen it since moving here to dallas um i had a good group of folks in la but coming here initially i kind of felt like it was lonely because you know i had gary and i had some other folks that you know were from san antonio that but happens. as i met more and more people then it's like oh you know you you meet these people that are like-minded yeah. they they want more out of life right. and then it's like oh it makes it easier and then you see yourself leveraging into doing great things that you never thought you know you would be getting into so yeah. now you have me i love being your friend <laughs> <laughs> i got a That's question my you friend know. you're my I got, friend i got a question though you talk about compatibility cuz that's something that i like i've always talked about too but like how do we, how do you think about how do you measure compatibility like how do you especially you think about like question. say you meet somebody at 18 right and you're compatible with them at 18 but obviously you know how much we grow you know especially as young men i mean yeah. the, even the ways that i've grown since since graduating from college yeah. five years you know it's what i'm like saying yeah, it's exactly. true and so what do you do in the situation where you might be compatible with somebody at 18 19 um, and then come 25, 26, people sometimes grow apart, sometimes yeah. grow together. Like, you know, how do y'all think about that? I mean, I would say, it, again, it goes back to communication and what you want. Um, I can Let me give an example. I remember dating this girl, and when we met, um, I wasn't even in her, like, I wouldn't even say we were compatible. Right. We kind of grew to be compatible. When I first met her, I was I honestly thought she was out of my league. She's a doctor. Um, and honestly, at that time, I think I was working like a call center job. And I, I, I've always been confident. And, I, you know, I just approached her like I would approach anybody else. And it's like the first two weeks, it was kind of like dead. I was like, we, we have nothing in, 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 you know, we can't compare it to anything. Mm-hmm. And we kept talking. And it's like I found out certain things she liked and vice versa. To say, I said all that to say this. Sometimes it just takes work, you know, continuing to get to know each other. But we did have I think like six months down the road we had another change Mm -hmm. and the change was to me I feel like she wasn't being who she really is you know people when you first meet somebody it's always a facade of some sort some sort I mean, no doubt about I that. I mean, you know, if you can't just, if you, you don't just go up to a girl on the first day and fart a burp. I was just thinking that, man. Yeah. You start farting yeah. you day one, saying? you ain't going to go far. Go, you're not going far. But six months down the line, you may fart and, you know, she may not like the way that smells or whatever the case may be. But the point of it is, I think if you want to go far, it depends on the communication and it really depends on how much you like the person. Yeah. And it's like, you know, thinking about what you were saying is, uh, me and Gary went to high school together, right? We've known each other since we were probably about, about like 11, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, then we left for college at around 18. So like you said, at 18, we were much different people. And he went to, you know, University of Kansas. I went to Air Force Academy in Colorado. And we had two very different, I yeah. guess, paths. Right. But when we came back together, and we didn't even really keep in touch as much as we maybe could have. But uh, when we came back together, it was like nothing had ever changed. So mm-hmm. we grew apart, but still grew kind of similarly. Yeah. Um, I think in a relationship, like if you meet a significant other at 18, it's going to be hard, in my opinion, right. especially if you go different places to grow together. But I mean, at, in my opinion, like if you meet somebody at a young age and you kind of you're with them, I think it, you make a point to grow together as opposed to growing in two separate, you know, hemispheres. And it makes it easier, I think, from a compatibility standpoint to continue that 
you know, from when you first meet to your, you know, whatever formative years of a relationship to when, you know, you're in a mature maybe marriage or, you know, you got somebody that's a family friend that, you know, your kids call uncle or aunt, you right. know, that kind of right. thing. So, And I think so you really you really point to something I think is important for us to, to note is, you know, you talked about how someone can make a decision to grow with somebody. You know what I'm saying? And so even though, like, we have a self and, you know, I have a personality, my personality is still kind of formed by what I do, what I engage in. Like you were talking about earlier, who I hang out with is really going to kind of form my personality. So in a way, then compatibility is it's not fixed. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And I think that's important to note because, man, when we think about the circles we run with, when we think about who we are or who, who what, like, how do I describe my identity, it's never fixed. Right. It's something that, you know, we also kind of have power over yeah. or control over yeah. to a certain extent. So if I'm running with a certain crowd, you know, not only is that a reflection of maybe who I am, but it's also simultaneously a reflection of who I want to be. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so I think for younger people who, you know, want to get in relationships and things like that, recognizing the importance of, you know, running with the people that you want to see yourself, you know, how you want to see yourself reflected and stuff like that. I think that's so important. Yeah, I think the key thing with, with all of this that we're saying is, honestly, you got to try not to lose yourself. Right. I think being, you know, when you get in a relationship, it, it's important. Like you say, we, we are continuing to change. We're continuing to grow. But you never want to lose yourself. Right. You know, and you definitely want to be with someone who betters you, who makes you want to strive to do more, and who supports that change. Um, I think criticism is... I think it's necessary, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's constructive. And sometimes we need the criticism that's not always the best, you know, because sometimes the only way people are going to know they need change or, or the change that they have is going in the wrong direction is, is if we address it. And, you know, and I feel like you have to make with friendships and even in relationships, you have to make the environment conducive to say, you know, hey, this is something you need to work on. Or, hey, this is what I like. Do you think you are up to this? Can we work on this? Can this change? Right. So, I, I mean, in, in all of this and how does marriage or a relationship change the way you live your life, I think it does change it, but it can be for the better if we make it conducive, if we are open-minded, if we are respectful of each other's time, each other's, uh, you know, issues and things, you know, and, and take everything into consideration, you know. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big, big thing. I think Gary has made some great points. Christian definitely made some great points. Um you know, I, I just think it's a great topic to discuss. Again, you know, guys, we're here on Fishbowl Radio Network. If you ever want to listen to us and you don't catch the show on Saturday, you can also catch us on iTunes. All you have to do is download the app and type in The Reality Is. That's T-H-A, The Reality Is. And we are posting our new shows from here every Sunday evening. So you can catch them there. And like I say, if you're looking to tell somebody to listen in right now, I know I'm getting a couple of texts and people are like, hey, how can I listen? Just download TuneIn app. FBRN in the search engine, and we're in the blue ball right now. And if you want to call in or tell somebody to call in who has a question about what we're discussing, it's 214-431-5062. We're going to take a quick break, and guys, we'll be right back. So uh, we're back here. The reality is where filtering becomes a stink. And I wanted to give a shout-out to... Be Easy Josh on Twitter from Columbus, Ohio. I chatted it up with him this morning on The Reality Is um, on Twitter. And, you know, he's basically out of work right now and he's looking for a job, you know, and he, he was really sounding like he was down on his luck. And we talked about 15 minutes. And I, I just wanted to give you some encouraging words, man, if you're listening. Stick with it, man. Stick with it. Stay grinding. Keep putting out them applications. Like I was telling you, man, look at Indeed.com, um, Career Builder, uh, Monster. Um, and, and I don't know, you know, if you guys – 
what you guys uh, temp agencies are in Ohio, but you know, look for temp agencies, temp agencies in Ohio and don't get down on yourself, man. I know you were saying you don't really have any encouraging friends, but like I told you, man, me, Christian and Gary here at the reality is, man, if you ever have any questions or any insights you need, man, just hit us up, inbox us, direct message us, man, and we'll respond to you. I promise, man. Also, man, if you want to shoot your resume to our, our, um, our email it's info at the reality is.com excellent you know we'll take a look at it maybe we can help you out um yeah. shoot it out to some people you might even end up in dallas man the job market's hot I'm trying to here. tell you yes, man it is, this man. is you what's going on yeah may have to get out of columbus man hey come on down but we want to just tell you man you know we're praying for you man we wish you the best we also wanted to give a shout out to our unknown sponsor this week we appreciate you the sponsor paid for the show for us to hear uh for you guys to be able to hear our great voices and the content that we have so we appreciate our sponsors we also uh, appreciate our other sponsor uh, carlos francois with path advantage we appreciate that and wanted to give a shout out to heather um out in rockwall i know you sent us an email and you spoke with me this week about some topics and you know what we're going to address those topics and again we do appreciate you for giving your input so the next topic we got coming up is cheating and wanting to stay and why would someone want to cheat and when get when you get caught you don't leave you decide to fight for that situation or stay um it's kind of weird because if you cheated apparently you either didn't want to be there or the situation is not you know going too well apparently or maybe you just wanted to do what you wanted to do hmm yeah man this is once again we talked about cheating a little bit a couple of weeks ago and this is just a, such a sensitive topic for you know obvious reasons and i think cheating while it's somewhat dis it's despicable in in a sense depending on you know what what the situation is <laughs> in a lot of in a lot of terms it's like it's hard to to just say it's a binary type of action like it's not just black and white all the time there's a lot of contributors a lot mm -hmm. to that lead somebody to cheat and it's not making excuses because at the end of the day it's wrong yeah but i think if you can get down to the root cause of why you're cheating um, a lot of times it's because you don't feel the physical, I guess, compatibility or the connection. Sometimes it's just because you're thousands of miles away yeah. for a long time. And it's like like we talked about last week, sometimes you get a little bit tired uh, gassing up at the self-service station. So yeah. that's why I was given the euphemism. So yeah. you can. Um, but but either way, like it happens. And I think it happens a lot. If you just look at some of the greatest people to ever live. Yeah. Right. Martin Luther King, JFK, Dwight D. Eisenhower, like some of our great D David in the Bible, like some of our greatest leaders have they've fallen short. Yeah. Um, why would you stay? I think you stay because if if you cheat, you stay because if a person's willing to give you a second chance, I think you have to give you have to give them back. OK, if you gave me a second chance, I owe it to you to it. Not just maybe not owe it, owe but it you them. deserve it yeah. for me to try to be better. And yeah. uh, and and if you. Uh, and if you and if you're on the other side of it, you know, the grass isn't always greener. Maybe right. that person, you know, like I said before, that root cause, if you can get to it, you know, maybe you can get to why that happened in the first place. Mm -hmm. Because it's I mean, it's not always better just to leave. I mean, if especially if you built a life yeah. together. So and I think it when it comes to cheating, like like you said, I mean, you said it's, it's despicable and, you know, <clears throat> it's wrong. It's wrong because of the agreement between people. It's wrong because of, you know, they, that it crosses a line. And I think that the issue in cheating is the betrayal of trust. Yeah, you know absolutely. what I'm saying? And, and I think cheating is it's it's sometimes very con contextual and situational, whereas, you know, cheating in one sense 
or one situation may not be depending on how that couple thinks about things cheating in another situation. Correct. And so it goes back to something that Anthony continues to, to talk about, which I think is important, is communication and knowing what the expectations are and you know knowing what lines – shouldn't be crossed and what should be crossed because b- certain people come to different, you know, come to relationships with different assumptions, different prior knowledge, different opinions about what constitutes cheating and not. And, you know, and I think it just, but, but like you said, Chris, it, it there's a lot of things that contribute to it. There, it's a lot of, th- I mean, and then on any given day, there's a lot of, it's situational, it's contextual. It depends on the dynamics in the relationship. I think if somebody steps out, it doesn't automatically mean they don't want to be there. Yeah. But I do think it points to something, okay, what's missing? Something's you know? missing. And I think, you know, asking that question, what's missing or what, what needs to be improved, is so much more fruitful than, you know, just simply, you know, the, 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 the I mean, the anger is going to be there, obviously. But I think there have been a lot of good relationships that have endured something that like that of infidelity of whatever kind, um, because the questions of okay, how can we improve this? How can we prevent this from happening? How can I be, um, you know, what you need, and how can you be what I need? As opposed to oh hell no, you you know you cheating them, yeah. it's over, you know. I mean, and and that's well within somebody's right to react that way. Yeah. But at the same time, relationships are a lot more complex than I think we understand sometimes. And there can be a lot of great relationships that might have one tally mark on them, you know. Yeah, and that cheating, I mean, it can honestly make the person who you cheated on aware of some things that they weren't doing. Right. I mean, because sometimes, I mean, you know, it's just like a child being bad. If you tell them and tell them and tell them, but when you bust that ass, they pay attention. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? Like, not, like, like Christian said, it's not saying that it's right. You know, I, I, I know people who cheated inside of a marriage, and when they came to me about it, I was like, well, you know, it's not right at any cost, but what made you do it? Right, because it's it, it, it's either it's, for me. I look at it as two ways: something made you do it, like something you weren't getting, or you know, you you just had a, a itch that needed to be scratched. And apparently, I'm a dog. I'm an eat baby. That's my zone. That's stupid. Well, and and the fact that you know, when, one of the, this is one of the things that frustrates me about this topic, and this is something that you know, you, when you hear about cheating, people always assume it's the man. Cheating. Always. Why do men? Even when people have conversations, why do men cheat? And I'm like, okay, first of all, let's what? How are we defining cheating? Second of all, it's not just men that cheat. Exactly. People, human beings have needs and desires that when they're not getting met, they're going to try to substitute it with something with else, something whether else. that's another you know it's, person's like genitalia, yeah. whether mm. it's I mean, whether it's something else. Yeah. But man, there's so many different layers of it, man, and I think. Again, it's the same thing of being, you know, how can we work together in this situation and, and make it better? But we need to stop just assuming that men are the only ones that yeah. cheat. I was thinking about, uh, I was like, I was wanting to say, it's not always the ones with the tallywacker. Did your mama ever say that? Tallywacker. <laughs> I know that I've heard that word, tallywacker. <laughs> tallywacker. <laughs> it's not always the men, you know, not always the male. And, and that's true. Um, I think with cheating, you know, like we were saying, you know, cheating, because the topic is cheating and wanting to stay, or cheating and trying to stay after mm-hmm. A lot of people just genuinely, genuinely make a mistake. Right. You know, it, it's literally, it, I think, like you said, Gary, people try to make it so complex. And you got to look at the, the context and the situation in which it happened. And some people literally just make a mistake. The other person wasn't better. Sometimes people be like, oh, well, he doesn't even look, she doesn't even look better than me. It's not even about that. Sometimes it is, it's just right. truly a mistake. It's it's a bad situation. And 
people who say, you know, people like, oh, this person was married for 60 years. I hear a lot of younger kids, you know, that go to my school or whatever, and they're like, oh, you know, they really look up to their parents. And they right. like, oh, I want to be just like my parents. But uh, your parents don't tell you everything that happened exactly. in that marriage for them to stay together. Exactly. You know, that's I, very true. You know, and a lot of people be like, I just want to be like my parents. And that's great. I know. That's such a good point, yeah, man. Yeah. I know a guy who, who, you know, they always be like, they look to their parents. And I knew things that he didn't know because I saw his dad some places that his dad shouldn't have been. And, you know, it came out at the end and it was like they still were in denial as grown men that my dad never did that. And it doesn't mean your dad is a bad person. It just means he made a mistake. Right. And he has a Talawaka. And sometimes the Talawaka thinks for you. Or I his mom it, has a Venus flytrap and sometimes that thing's and, for her. And it uh, claps down. I'm telling you right now, sometimes people just got the some, some people just got the squirrel syndrome, man. They're so just looking around, just man. They're just looking can't. around a tree, just, you know, trying to find an acorn. Yeah. You know? And um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Trey Dot just hit us up on the reality is, and he said, too many feel like once a cheater, always a cheater, and selling short the person's ability to grow. Dog, that, that's great. That bro. that goes right to what we're saying, man, is, is you know, people, and, and not just with cheating, but we are so damn quick to label people and, yeah. and, and just assume that what somebody does one time is just what they are. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So you got black kids in the street that, you know, one time happened to get in a fight, and oh, it goes, yeah. you're a yeah. criminal, you're a thug, or whatever. Yeah. It's not once a cheater, always a cheater. Exactly. We're human beings who sometimes might happen to cheat. That does not define what who you are or what you are. And, and I think that's a problem, and I'm so glad he raised that point. Yeah, that is great. I mean, because, I mean, and like you say, it's one of those things where, like, like we talked about in the earlier segment, people evolve, people change. Right. You're not the same person at 15 at 20 and 20 to 25 and 30. I was a person like I, I had, I used to have a very bad attitude, you know what I'm saying? And I still have one, but it's a lot better. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I kind of analyze situations before I go into them. So like you said, Trey, man, you definitely made a great, great point. Um, I, I just think only way I feel like after cheating that you should walk away is if you feel like that's something that will continue to happen. Mm -hmm. Like, I think you kind of have, you kind of know when you cheat if it's something that's going to be ongoing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you know if it's like a itch you just needed to scratch. And and sometimes, like we said earlier, it makes an aware, it makes you aware. Not only the person you cheated on, sometimes it makes you aware. Right. You may get out there and be like, I'm not ready for what I've signed up for. Right. So yep. sometimes it can be a negative thing, but it always can be a it may be a blessing in another way because if you cheat or if you stepped outside of that situation or however you cheated, whether it was emotionally for women, because a lot of times it's women. We all know if we talk to a woman long enough and we get them to telling us everything, I mean, we pretty much already got them. It's mm -hmm. just a matter of time. But with us, you know, it's just like off The Good Wife. It was a part where I think, um, I can't remember her name, but The Good Wife, the main star, she uh, cheated and she was getting into it with her husband. And, you know, he was like, when I cheated, it didn't matter. She was like, well, that's your fault because when I did, it did matter because she was emotionally tied to the guy, Will, on the show. So it's just different for men and women. And I also feel like, me personally, if a woman cheats, to me, you, you may almost want to just go ahead and cut it off. Because it emotionally, if they're emotionally tied to somebody, that it, it's different. See, but see, uh, and I and I agree with you. If, but I think a man can be emotionally tied to a person Correct. he might step out on, and a woman can True. cheat physically with somebody who they might not be emotionally. It's, I think you know we think about these these absolute differences between men and women, and I think sometimes they do have truth to them because that's the way culture has created. Correct. You know, but at the same time, man, we it's not always like that. You know, I yeah. think, and so yeah, basically. Yeah. You know, just looking at <clears throat> when you do you do have somebody slip up, we were talking about, you know, the topic is why do you stay? And our next topic actually coincides very seamlessly in that it's hard to break up. Yeah. Um, mm. 
it's it's just Preach hard to break up. It's like time invested. Man. You feel like all that time is gone, wasted, if you just break up. And for right or wrong, it, sometimes it's like, okay, well, it's not worth it for us to give up five, ten years, 25 years of a great marriage because you might have stepped out. Now, I think there are situations where, you know, you have people that have, like, you know, all, other lives, yeah. you know, families in other areas. Yeah. Or if it's, like, chronic, like we talked about Anthony Weiner the other day, but this guy just can't keep <laughs> his wiener to himself. <laughs> like, in those situations, then it's like, okay, bro, you, yeah. you are out of line. He but it's hospitable. But tw- <laughs> 25 years, that's my vagina. That is my Vagina. But here's the other side of that. Because <laughs> I, I like what Chris was saying. Here's the other side of that. Because you do have sometimes there's a relationship where it's 25, 30 great years and somebody makes a mistake. And do you just throw that away? You also have those relationships where, oh, we've been married 50, 60 years and they hate each other. Where this is, and <laughs> That's this, true. This is in regards yeah. to the, why is the breaking up so hard to do? Because I think sometimes we can get so used to being with somebody or you got the you know the kind of stigma that comes if if case if you're married and you, you get a divorce or depending on what circle you run in you know how heavy that weighs I mean you have people that stay together too long yeah that sometimes you know because of the way the relationship is going or because of the fact that these that people are tearing true. each other down versus building each other up there are sometimes relationships and or marriages do need to end yeah, and that's coming from a preacher in the Baptist tradition that comes up you know I was raised. To believe, you know, that that marriage is just it, it's sacred, and that's something that you know people throw out the the quote out of context. I might add, uh, whatever God has joined together, let no man separate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, I think it becomes really problematic when we when we stay in situations because we are made to believe that if we don't, you know, God is going to be just upset with us, or that we're gonna go to hell or something like that. And you got a lot of this dysfunction that is created by that context. So I I do think there are relationships that need to be saved. I think there are relationships that need to be cut off all the way off yeah. sometimes. It ain't nothing that I was about to say, K-Camp said it <laughs> best. K-Camp <laughs> did. It just came <laughs> right to my... Some of these rappers be on point, man. I'm <laughs> telling do, you. Man. You just got to get the message in it. But uh, again, man, you listening to The Reality Is Where Filtering come, Becomes Extinct. We're going to take a quick break, guys, and we will be right back. Church for good. You better sing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is Anthony Roberts, your host of the Reality Is with co-host Christian Evans and Gary Green, and we are back in this thing. Yeah, so. we're back, and uh, today we wanted to talk about mentorship and the importance of paying it forward. Uh, the purpose that we we wanted to kind of get into this topic is uh, Gary and I were invited, um, along with one of our good friends, Brandon Logan, to speak at. A Father's Promise. Um, it's uh, it's a program where uh, the good brothers over at Gotsy Martin Law Firm, David Gotsy and Justin Martin, uh, they saw a need, um, especially with a lot of the things we see in the media of, you know, young African-American males. You know, there's a strong need for strong, you know, black male influences in their life that aren't necessarily, you know, sports figures or entertainers. And so the mission and vision of A Father's Promise is to seek to turn at-risk youth into high potential young men 
A father's promise will accomplish this by showing these young boys what potential they have if they continue pursuing their education and make wise choices with many decisions they are faced with. We hope to provide strong male role models who will serve as coaches that these youth can look up to and draw inspiration from so that they can mirror their choices in life. So the first question that I wanted to present to, uh, to our panel is, and anybody that might want to call in, is how has mentoring or lack thereof mentoring played a role in your personal development? Um, why do you think it's important to pay it forward? And if there was one thing you knew as like a young man, 13 to 17, um, if there's one thing you knew then, what would it have been? Right. What's one thing you wish you had known then, what would it have been? Right. Well, I'll, I'll start by uh, addressing the initial question and talking about basically just what, you know, what mentor has me- mentorship has meant or the lack of, um, because it's kind of my story has been pretty interesting. So, you know, some of you may already know, but if not, I'll repeat it. I'm currently uh, a second year Ph.D. student at Bright Divinity School, which is on the campus of Texas Christian University. And um, I'm doing a Ph.D. in pastoral theology, and I'm pretty sure that I'm the youngest Ph.D. student at Bright. Um, I'm the only black male Ph.D. student at Bright. Um, and actually, we might, I don't even know if we have, we might, I might be the only black Ph.D. student currently. Um, and Bright is very progressive. So already you can see that <clears throat> my experience at Bright has been good because I've been able to find uh, allies from some of our white female faculty or white um, or, or African-American female faculty but there's not a black man on the faculty with whom I can talk. And uh, when I was in seminary, it was the same kind of situation. You know, my former pastor kind of mentored me to go to the school that I went to, but at the same time, you know, he ended up leaving to go to Baton Rouge, and so I was left kind of without, you know, a male person who who is, is where I'm trying to get. So mentorship, man, is crucial, and I know that because I've been in situations where I have had a mentor. You know, I grew up with a father who played in the NFL, so when I needed advice with sports or, or you know, things like that. And your dad I, was a mentor truly right, to all of to us. To a in lot the of community. guys, exactly. Yeah. My dad, you know, took a lot of people under his wing. But after you know, after high school when I went off to college and then especially when I started pursuing ministry as a vocation and, and wanting to pursue higher education, it has been very, very difficult for me to find uh, black men who are where I'm trying to get that can help me along. And as a result, man, it's been, you know, it's been a really good process, but there's been things that I think could have been made easier had I had that. And so, you know, I've, I've reached out to certain people, but I'm still looking for someone, you know, with whom I can talk regularly, um, that it's a kind of a mutual thing. Somebody that's really wanting to pour into me as much as I'm wanting to pester them, you know what I'm saying? So, I've seen it both ways, man, and I've had it both ways, and, and right now is, is a time that I wish I had, you know, some steady, I have some, but it feels more like I have to pick and choose what information I can get from who, right. as opposed to that person that I can call and go to and be like, look, man, this is what I'm dealing with, how do I navigate this? Um, because among black PhD candidates, there's a lot of, there's a high percentage that don't end up finishing. I don't want to become another one of per- people who... Oh, I took some doctoral classes but didn't finish. Right. I want to finish, but I know that I need people guiding me and letting me know what I need to get there. Absolutely. Man, and I'll, and I'll kind of echo what you were saying. As we make transitions in our lives, a lot of times you think mentoring down. A lot of times you need to, I call it mentoring up. And, like, you know, you can mentor the people that are above you, but also you need to continuously have people that are pouring into your right. life 
that have gone through what you've gone through that kind of know the ins and outs and even give you, I, I guess, the stuff that you, you can't just read on, you know, Google or read in a book at school right. to kind of show you how to navigate. Because um, just for me, transitioning from the military into financial services, it's just a whole different ball game mm-hmm. and kind of getting where I want to eventually go. I mean, it's very important in my perspective to have strong mentors. And I will say I have strong mentors, but like you said, um, not that, you know, I love the white guys that have taken me under their wing and, you know, they've white and women and they've and Hispanic women as well. They just they pour into my life. But sometimes it's like I want that, you know, uh, you know, African-American that can kind of take me and say, hey, you know, this is financial services. This is kind of what you got to worry about. Because a lot of times, you know, we're client facing and we're trying to get people to trust us with their money. Correct. And, you know, I'll just say what it is. We live in Texas and most of the people with the kind of money that I would be looking right. at for clients exactly. are, are men of a certain age, you know, 60s and above. Yeah. And, you know, it's not that I'm typecasting them to be racist, but yeah. the, the reality is, yeah. you know, there's a it's right. there. When they right. see you, they just see you. Right. So they see, a young Afri- they see a young black guy, right? And they're not going to necessarily trust me with millions of their dollars. But if they were smart, they would look at you and say, damn it, he's a grinder to be here, to make right. it here. He's, but he, he's a it, token. He's a token, yeah. Right. yeah. Which is a problem. But at the yeah. same time, yeah, yeah it speaks yeah. But I'll say, um, I had a guy, actually, I do have a, somewhat of a mentor that, I mean, we're courting each other right now. Yeah. But he was just <laughs> telling me, money is green. And that's the one thing that kind of can level the playing field. Because if you can give somebody a product that can make them a lot of money, a lot of times they won't care. But just growing up, I know um, once I got to the Air Force Academy, I was kind of mentorless for a while. And I made a lot of mistakes, bro, to the point that, you know, I I almost got kicked out. You know, I I, I made mistakes where I almost left because, you know, I wasn't playing enough in football where it's like, bro, who cares? You know, Mm -hmm. football is just there. But that should never be. Uh, especially in my situation, I'm not gonna make the NFL. Right. Uh, at least that's not my. That wasn't my real goal. It yeah. would have been nice, but I didn't have mentors at that point, and I don't think I was as successful in college as I could have been. But now, as I've grown up, uh, I could see the mentors and how yeah. you know it. They've helped me propel into this of career course. field. So yeah, and I think especially like when you're talking about um, you know mentors mentoring down, mentoring younger boys, because I can remember sometimes that. You know, I always look to older, you know, when we were at, at in middle school and I would look to some of the guys at Madison for guidance and, you know, school me on the road. But then you get to that certain age where you kind of think you know it all, you kind of have it figured out. And I think that's really where me- the importance of having a mentor that's really invested in your success. Uh, someone who doesn't just throw something at you, but someone who's like, look, man, sit down, let me talk to you. Uh, because I can, I can remember that, you know, there are times in my life that if someone – tried to guide me a certain way, I'd be like, yeah, I might push back. But if it's somebody that I built up a relationship with, then I'm, I'm more susceptible to listen to them. You know what I'm saying? Um, and like you said, when we get older, we can appreciate that kind of guidance. But, you know, when I, I think about the role that I'm playing as mentor for my younger cousins, and I'm so glad that, you know, I've, I've experienced things so that maybe they don't have to. Like my cousin Aaron at TCU and stuff, and yeah. he – you know, they've told me that they appreciate me being able to to live, really, and make mistakes and then communicate that to them so that they try not to make the same mistakes. But, man, it's like if you don't have somebody that you can look to, it can become real difficult to feel like you're doing things on your own, even though, you know, we get help, but yeah. it's just not the same. I mean, for me, I, um, I'm sure it's a lot of people can relate, and it's not a lot of people don't know, but I needed a mentor. Um, when I was a kid, I basically grew up in a two-parent home. 
and we were well off. Um, my dad worked at a, a good company um, where I was from, and then he, he was laid off. And then, of course, separation happened with my mom and my dad, and it went from being like in a two-story, four-bedroom home to shotgun houses or rent houses or, you know, whatever the case may be. Like, you know, and, and not having my dad around and having a mentor um, who actually cared about me and not just, like, somebody trying to get next to my mom, like, it would have helped. Right. Like, I, it's things that I've done um, in the streets. I, you know, been around guns and drugs and fighting and, and, and it's a lot of stories that I could tell, and people look at me, and they're like, what, you did that? And honestly, I could have easily been a, a product of my environment. Right. And it's like in order to prevent being a product of your environment, it takes mentorship. Yeah. Um, it, the only mentor that jumps off the page to me in my life when I think about it, and he didn't even try to be it, he was just being there for me, um, is a guy named Marvell McFadden um, in Texas County, Arkansas. And he was a local businessman who took care of his, you know, took care of his family, his son. Um, he's black. And like I say, he just, he saw something in me. Mm-hmm. And we don't talk all the time, but even if I called him right now to this day and told him what I was doing, he would probably give the most encouraging words. And, you know, he always found a way to tie the Bible back into it, you know, but he, he was there for me, you know, and it it was only for a short period of time. And I continued to go through a lot of things. And I tell people all the time with a mentor, you are able to like avoid hitting, bumping, running into that wall. Like I ran into so many walls because nobody told me. And I don't know if you guys said it, I stepped out uh, for a minute, but like we were talking about during the break, uh, you know, um, someone told me, and, and, and that, you know, a word was passed down to me. And they said, when you mentor, if you were a troubled teen, give somebody what you needed at that moment and at that time. And if I mentored somebody, I've mentored before, I'm not doing it now. But when I did mentor um, uh, this little boy named Jeremiah in Arlington, when I mentored to him, I took him to the movies. I allowed him to pick out his own clothes. I, uh, you know, watched him play football. And the, and the reason I did these things, like, he didn't really know what he wanted because a child doesn't know what they need. But for me, I was like, I just wanted somebody there for me to watch me play football, you know, because of things with my mom, you know, her beliefs in church. Like when I went, when I was playing football, like nobody was showing up at my games. And this is not a knock to my mom. She's a great mother. But like I say, her religious beliefs, she just didn't believe in certain things. But like to, to, to be playing football and look up in the crowd and nobody's there. Wow. That's tough, man. Yeah. Like nobody being there. Nobody's there after the game. Like it, it was just tough to grow up like that. And the other person who mentored me and he didn't he, he really didn't mentor me. He just led by example with my big brother. Mm-hmm. You know, even when he didn't come to the game, just trying to support what my mom believed in. Like he always called before the game. and was like great game or he would leave a letter and say, you know, knock him dead tonight. Even, and, you know, even now he supports me when I do the radio. You know, and, it, and it's like I've never really had a consistent mentor, but, like, my brother has always been that guy that he's a, he's my biggest hero. Like, if you talk to my brother, man, and he he talked to if – if you if you talk to him, he's going to rave about the radio. He's going to rave about how good I can draw, how good I can talk, how fast I can run, how I should have been in the NFL. Like, he doesn't even know it, but it's like just those things when he does it, I'm like, damn, this dude really be watching everything yeah. I do. Yeah. And it's like even as, as men – we don't really, we don't even, it's important that we do it for each other. Right. You know, even if we don't have a mentor, like, I know when I'm talking to Gary, I'm like, dude, PhD, that's big. Yeah. I don't know if somebody tells him that. It, it ain't even about him being black. Yeah. White, a lot of white people just not, I mean, you don't just go and get a PhD. Yeah. Same thing I tell Christian. You know, he purchased a home at, before he's even 30. That's big. Yeah. Two cars, a nice home, a beautiful dog. He's great. 
that's big. Yeah. And we don't tell each other enough that don't this stuff is important. And I'm honestly I have chills right now because it, it's it's so important to tell people that. You know, I know when I worked at a, a warehouse a couple years ago and there was a whole bunch of Hispanic guys there. And, you know, they came from over the border. And I was like, hey, man, the best thing I can tell you is learn English and go to school because they will break your back in here. You need people to tell you that you are bigger than your circumstance and you're bigger than your situation and that even though it looks bleak, you can do it. Yeah. And not just to tell them what, what their potential is or what they can do, but like you said, man, affirming what they're doing right now and affirming who and they are. That's one of the things that, you know, that book that I talked about last time, that's one of the things that young black men are battling so much in this society is not being seen. Yeah. Uh, of, of not being recognized or acknowledged and, and beyond that, not being affirmed, you know, not being made to feel that they're worth, that yeah. they have value. And I think that's one of the things that a mentor does. It's not just coaching somebody on how to navigate this or how to navigate that, helping them learn the ropes. That's part of it. But having somebody that's interested in you as a person, I mean, man, that and I can't, I couldn't echo what you said even any better, man. The, the fact that, you know, in this culture, we don't tell other men, you know, that we affirm them. Right. You know, that we're, we're so, you know, so we, macho. we stand, you still have to be so macho or so, you know, hyper-masculine. And if we do say something, we feel the need to say something like no homo afterwards, yeah, no, which right. is a problem. Right. You, you don't know even what I'm have saying? to do it. I, I ain't going to lie. I had to lighten the mood a little bit. But I remember I was at the gym one time, and I just couldn't scratch my damn back to save my life. <laughs> and then, you know, you know when you try to pull your shirt down and you're sweating and it's hard, it gets stuck. Uh-huh. And I looked at the dude. I was like, hey, man, I, I mean. No homo. But I was like, man, I need you to put my shirt down, bro. Like, I should just be able to ask you, man, yeah. put my shirt down. And, it, out, and it shouldn't be assumed that yeah. it's a, yeah. it's a you gay or that that you. Yeah. And it's not you know nothing, nothing wrong if somebody is gay yeah. like that. But yeah, just put my shirt down, man. I mean, I'm just helping you out. You That's know awesome. what I'm saying? Or one of the, put some I appreciate sunblock on my back. Yeah. Is that going too far? Yeah, one of the things. <laughs> let me. I'm gonna take it back to to at KU, and this is so Chris. You know, I've heard Chris give compliments to men and stuff like that, which, you know, I think it speaks to his security as it a man, does, you know man. what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm to the point now, I used to not be, but I'm to the point now where I'm like, yeah, I mean, he's a good-looking dude. Like, yeah. my little sister Brittany would be like, hey, put me down with somebody. I'm like, okay, I think you'd like him. He's yeah. a good-looking dude. Yeah. But I remember in college, man, I had a, a teammate. I'm going to put you on blast, Dex, <laughs> named Dexton Fields. And uh, he was my roommate, uh, one of my roommates at the time, and he used to talk about LL Cool J. <laughs> and he used to be like I automatically start licking, licking my, my lips. lips. <laughs> yeah, you got to. I don't know if they're dry. I, I respect what, it. But, but he used to say uh, that LL Cool J was a sexy ass man, and we were like, Dex, <laughs> wait, <a laughs> what, what do you Pause. mean, dog? What, what do you mean by that? And, and basically, he was nah. like, he's like, man, I mean, he, he's sexy, dog. And I think it was the he was being funny, yeah. and it was the word he was using, not you know, good looking, but yeah. sexy. But at the same time, man, like it's funny that. Everybody LL could probably crazy. recognize what he was saying. Yeah, like, I mean, there uh, are, of course, yeah, he's I mean, not. Happens, LL man. has gotten better with the years. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I, would, I would trade my body for LL. <laughs> yeah, I would too in a heartbeat. Man. I would take everything LL Will has Smith except too. his head, man. Well, he got a head. <laughs> he got on a cone head. Yeah, he got that head on. <laughs> I mean, man, he keep a hat on. He could be playing football. He'll have a hat on under his head. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, just getting back to the mentorship thing, man. So, you know, I do a lot of mentoring. A lot of it is formal where I've signed up through a program like Big Brother, Big Sister, or I was a coach for a youth football team. That was probably one of the better experiences I've ever had in my life was, you know, or even I go when I was in the military, I would go to high schools and inner city areas to kind of talk about, you know, this free opportunity at education. And it was like I always take the mind frame of if I know something, 
like a thousand people know it. Right. Because, you know, why would I hold on to that information? Right. Right. And really the mentoring, the non-formal mentoring relationship, uh, relationships I've had have been just that. Like, I think it's just a relationship. It's like these relationships can take a life of their own. And I, I think just naturally uh, some people just draw people to kind of look up to them and right. admire them. Right. And when you have that, I mean, you have to take the time to pour into their lives. And if you have some type of resource or if you have some type of knowledge that can help them get to where they want to go, it's so important that you're maintaining that relationship. I know for me, uh, once again, I reference my friend Brandon. He had a friend that he knew in San Antonio. He's an executive in the finance uh, career field. And very organically, we met. And then now he's kind of like a big brother to me right. in, in a way that I haven't had. Like, it's more of a real, like, not so much a corporate mentoring relationship, but it's like a friendship. Right. And, you know, I'll go into dinner with him and his fiance, and we'll hang out. We'll smoke cigars together. And, you know, he's going to come to the, the birthday celebration next week that yeah. we'll probably get into later. Yeah. Um, so it's just like those types of relationships are so important, and they can – you don't, you don't. They can really help somebody's life yeah. that you would, you know, you would have never known before. Yeah, mentorship. Like I said, man, it, it's really important, man. I, I think the biggest thing with mentorship is just the, the ability to change people's lives. Yeah. And when you, you know, and you're here and, and and you're able to, I mean, even Christian, I think you could tell. For me, I could tell that mentoring is in Christian's blood, and the reason I say that is before he even really got into this show, you know, he would just hear the show and he'd be like, "Dude, that's awesome." Uh, far as anything I wear, if he likes something I wear, he always compliments my style. You know, like like um, Gary said, Christian is very secure in who he is, you know. And I, I think that says a lot about him. You know, mm -hmm. I think it says a lot about anybody, especially a man who can who can give out a compliment mm -hmm. without any wanting anything back, right. who's always willing and giving. And, and, and you know, that's Christian. And I, I think it, it was just perfect for him to kind of lead this, you know, a conversation because it's something that he does. It's something that he exhibits on a daily basis. Right. It's not just like he's like, oh, you know, I want to do this to show people. You just, you just do it. Do it out you of know? Just, just do it, heart, man. And that's really it. Like, my my new motto is like, if not me, then who? Like, if yeah. I don't do it, who is? If yeah. we don't do it, like, who is? You can't depend on somebody just to do it out of their goodwill. Yeah. It's like, especially for us, given our history and the things we have to go through, it's so important that we take and invest in our own. Right. Um, so just real quick, one question. If you had something that you wish you had known from yeah, 13 yeah. to 17, Anthony, what would it be? Something I wish I would have known from 13 to 17. I'm still working on this one, but that it's okay to cry. Man. Oh, man. That is powerful. That's powerful. I don't remember. Bro. I mean, the last time I cried, it was a friend getting locked up, and we were like brothers. But before then, I think the time that really stands out, I can count, and I think that's bad that I can count, yeah, but right. it was that time, and then when my dad left, and then when my uncle died. Yeah. That's it. And, and, and when my uncle died, and at the funeral, like, I didn't even cry at the funeral. Yeah. And not to be funny, I went to I don't know how many funerals, and, it, and this is probably going to sound bad, but it almost annoys me to see people cry. Yeah. That's how distant I am Man, from that. That's and, crazy. And, and it's like, do I want to be this way? <laughs> I don't. But it's like, bro, when I see people cry, I'm like, why are you so weak? Yeah. And it's not really being weak. It's, it's an emotion. I think like, it's being strong yeah, in some yeah, situations. Yeah, in some situations. You know, it's like literally, man, one time I, I remember um, I remember telling Artesia, man, I was like, I wish I could cry. Like sometimes I get so mad, I get so frustrated, and it's like, I just go to the gym. I'll run into my feet, give out. And it's like, I don't want to be that way, but it's like I just don't cry. And, it, and the thing that scares me is people always be like, man, you know, one day it's just going to be a breakdown. And it's like, I'm trying to avoid that. So Bro, I had that happen to yeah. me. And I was similar to you where I would only cry 
and deaths in the family yeah. until my senior year. And, you know, going into my senior year, I had an injury uh, going into that season. It was going to be a big season for me. And then the coach told me, you know, hey, you know, you weren't able to participate in all of fall camp. You know, we're kind of going to move on without you. You know, you'd still be on the team. Um, but, you know, you, it's, it was just so hard for me because, I mean, I had played all three years before that, yeah. started, uh, a few, you know, early in my career, and I was like, man, this is my time. And when he told me that, bro, I remember my girlfriend at the time, she was in the car, and I just broke down. Yeah. Like, I broke down and cried profusely. Yeah. And then after that, man, it got kind of – it got ridiculous, man. I cried during Toy Story 3. Uh, man, I cried during Hunger Games. It was – I just knew <laughs> – Wait, guys. I let it all you, out. You may hear a little buzz in the studio because I'm about to turn on the fan. It's hotter than five fat hoes in a small <laughs> <car>. <laughs> My goodness. Woo, no, it is hot, though. That's joke right there. Boy, no, so <laughs> that's 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 I had to turn on that fan, man. I am sweating. No, no let me. Oh, my God. Man, no, that's real, man. That is real. And, I mean, I, that, that that's, like, going to be my life's work, man, is basically masculinity. Yeah. These issues that, you know, we're taught to believe that we're not allowed to cry as men. We got to be strong all the time. And what that does to your nature as a human person is uh, just destructive. It cripples you, yeah. um, But for me, man, what I wish that someone could have told me and what I would say to young young men and women and women, you know, from 13 to 17 at this point, I wish somebody would have told me, don't take life too serious. Oh, man. I was raised um, pretty much in the church um, and – I was always somebody that was really driven uh, not to be the hypocrite that I heard other people talking about. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So for me, I embodied, you know, the, at the time, the way I understood Christianity, I embodied those principles to the T. You know, obviously I was human. I still made mistakes, but I tried to do everything and I tried to make my, my actions match my speech. Yeah. And in college, I did that. And as a result, I, I missed out on a lot of opportunities to enjoy myself, to have fun, to experience different things, to date more and just, you know, just to live life and, and continue to develop. Yeah. But it also it also hurt my career in a way because um, I had some hardship, too, with some injuries and things of that nature. And then there began to be the politics that came after injury. I was an extremely high recruit coming out of high school, had a lot of offers, and decided to go to a school that I thought I could have an immediate impact. Yeah. Um, but when I got there, I really got serious about faith. You know, we started a Bible study, and I think we did a lot of good, but I was, I was so serious about things, you know what I'm saying? And, and, it, and it went over into the football field where I was trying to – uh, be a you know a, a Christ, you know practice integrity to my Christian beliefs on the field, uh, and I don't think that's necessarily bad. But it even got to the point where I started to depend so much on that way of thinking yeah. that when the coaches took me off punt return without reason or didn't give me the ball in scrimmages to give me an opportunity to play or, or other things that other guys would have been like, hey, coach, what's up, man? Let, you know, let me blah blah blah. I didn't speak up for myself because I was like, well, you know, I'm just gonna pray about it and blah blah blah, and so. I would tell somebody, man, be serious about your life, but don't take it too serious. Live life. Have fun. Sometimes you need to live in the moment. Um, I had the opportunity to transfer, and I didn't because I thought I was doing the right thing by staying there. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be a quitter. Yeah, I did. And uh, my cousin Aaron, if some of y'all know him, he was a high recruit out of, out of the same high school I went to, took a scholarship to Nebraska. They liked him. They weren't using him. Mm -hmm. He had the opportunity to transfer. And when he called me, I was one of the first people he called. What should I do? And I made it a point not to tell him what to do. But I told him, you need to do what you do. Follow your heart, man. 
And don't think for one second that God or anybody else is going to be mad at you because of the decision that you make to better your own situation. He's at TCU now, obviously bald last year, got all kind of people looking at him. Don't take life too serious. Have fun, live in the moment, make mistakes, acknowledge those mistakes, grow from them, and keep making more mistakes so you can continue to grow. Yeah, Yeah, mine isn't so profound. Maybe it is. Uh, I just wish I would have read more, bro. Yeah, I wish I would have read books. That man. is profound. And maybe it is profound, but I just got into reading later in life, probably around 25 years old, where I would like, you know, read more than I would watch TV or do other things. And you know, the whole thought, uh, you know, Malcolm Gladwell's book Outliers talks about that 10,000 hour rule. Yeah. And to be an expert in anything, it takes 10,000 hours. In my life, I was an expert in football and basketball because I spent just about every waking moment outside of school doing those two things. Yeah. And I just think, what if I would have picked up a book on finance? Or what if I would have picked up a book on law? Or what if I would have started picking up these books about these other things? Or even just, you know, literature. Yeah. Uh, you know, what would I have become? So that's one of the things for me is, like, I wish I would have just started reading at a younger age because it truly opens up your mind. Yeah, I agree. All right, man. We I'm might end up having a, a caller call in on this topic of mentorship. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah, if you need to go ahead and play a song or something like that, then we can maybe come back from it. But I think, you know, I, I might end up having a good friend, Brandon Logan, who we talked about calling in, and he's got some real good things to say about this topic also. So All right, well, let's try to get it set up. Actually, he's coming. We got a call coming through right now. Let me, let first me call, first up. call. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got a caller on the line. Hello? Yeah. Caller. I think I heard something. Call are you there? Yes, I'm here. All right. How yeah. you doing? Is this uh, Brandon Logan? It is. How y'all doing? Good, right, man. man. We oh, just talked about your voice, talking about mentorship, man, and 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 said that you might be calling in, man. What what um one of the things we were talking about, Brandon, was um you know what what is the importance of mentorship or the lack of mentorship. And then one of the questions maybe to answer is, you know, what do you wish someone would have told you when you were between the ages of 13 and 17 that you might in turn tell somebody at that age now? Well, to answer the latter question, I would say that between age 13 and 17, your imagination is uh, wandering extremely. And uh, from an adult perspective, you want to never kill one's dreams and tell them that anything that they can imagine is possible in life and i think that's the value of systems like mentorship or networks that you have to set an environment around individuals that they can grow and uh, you know i think everyone that's on this phone right now has benefited from a network and still to this day has benefited to it and uh, it really fills that gap so if you grow up with you know father absenteeism is prevalent in your life uh, you have to find that male role model that you can connect to uh, but before you can connect to the right person, you have to identify yourself on what you're trying to accomplish in life. And so um, the value of mentorship for me has been uh, once I became familiar with self, uh, the leadership qualities had started you know, upticking because I realized what I wanted to accomplish. And then my next goal was to find individuals with like minds, like attainment. Uh, we're already accomplishing the things that I dreamed about that could help turn my dream into reality. And without mentorship, I wouldn't even be able to, to, to weigh in on this conversation. I wouldn't be where I was from a professional setting. And uh, it's so important that people recognize the benefit and values of having additional people in your life, such as a, a network or, or mentorship. So one of the things I can tell you um, that has been beneficial to me 
uh, through mentorship, I was able to navigate the racial divide because mm-hmm. I understood uh, what it takes to communicate um, different areas, whether it be from a gender standpoint, whether it be from an ethnic standpoint or from an age standpoint, that there's different techniques that you have to learn um, to grab someone's attention and to become, quote, unquote, accepted. And uh, that was really one of the pro- most profound things that I've learned throughout this process of mentorship and also learned that as I've gained um, from mentors that I need to return the favor and become a mentor myself. So there's really a sense of knowledge transfer that occurs through mentorship, and I think that's the part uh, that really has taken my life to a different trajectory and has kept me on that path, and I think that's where I've been able to create a network around me that is a growing ecosystem. And I mean that in the sense that it's a multiplier effect. People see that I'm investing in other people's lives, and now people want to turn around and invest in my life. And it's just a wonderful experience to be a part of. It's hard to explain or really describe, but it's something that I encourage every person, regardless of age, if you have a dream that's unfulfilled, to get a network, a system of mentors around for every specific part of your life um, and to make certain that as you're growing that you turn around and, and lend a hand up to someone else to help them grow as well. Man, that's beautiful. I appreciate that so much, Brandon, man. And, and I think one of the things for the listeners that Brandon touched on is the mutuality of mentorship. You know, I think sometimes, you know, I was led to believe sometimes that mentors are always older than you or someone who, you know, is established when you're trying to become established. And we have to recognize, man, that, you know, Brandon is a mentor to me. Anthony, Chris, y'all are mentors to me, and we're roughly the same age. And there's things that, that I might share that help y'all as well. And so I think we need to rethink about kind of what are the power dynamics of mentorship and to understand that even someone who might be 50 mentoring me at this age, it might be mutual. There might be things that I can help them understand. And so I think the more influence that we have, the more things that we know, the the more knowledgeable we are, we need to be liberal with that information. Very much And I think Chris and Brandon have both hit on that, man, the need to share and continue to share information with other people um, so that we can continue to multiply our influence and our network. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, mentorship is really skill-based and experience-driven. And those are some of the characters that you want to identify with. So really, age does not have play a large factor. It really is the, the type of skill that one exemplifies, but then also the experience one has, whether it's from a spiritual perspective, more personal development perspective, or you're really looking in the professional realm of your life and really just making sure that you find that alignment, find that fit, someone that's willing and has the necessary traits that you're looking for to make certain that they can take your life to the next level. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for calling in and giving us your perspective on mentorship, man. I certainly hope there are people out there that are taking this thing seriously. All right, Brandon, man. Good to hear from you, man. We'll see you next week. Thanks for calling in, Brandon. All right. Sounds good. You have a great weekend. All right. Peace. All right. That was Brandon Logan. We do appreciate that. Again, you guys are listening to The Reality Is Where Filtering Becomes Extinct. And we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in a few moments. Always seems to sing me happy. 
And that was a uh, Frank Ocean, Violet Jones, and you're listening to the reality is where filter becomes extinct. Bro, uh, just to I don't hate to cut you off, but no, you're fine. I just find it so ridiculous that Frank Ocean makes I think one of the most relevant albums in a long time that is somewhat on the same subject matter as Sam Smith, you know, being a, a homosexual kind of coming out and, and and I mean the content to see everything was so great. He doesn't win album of the year. He doesn't kill the Grammys, but Sam Smith does. And I under, Sam Smith is a better like his vocalist, vocalist yeah. but as far as the content, content. like I think uh personally I think uh you know, his was a, a little bit more meaningful to me, but I I don't know, that's just my problem with I like the Grammys, bro. Pink Matter is a great song, man. And Bad Religion, too. I like Diamonds. Bad, I like Pyramids. Bad Religion Bad Religion was off the pyramid chain. Tonight. Now, I would love to go to a strip club with that plan. <laughs> that run. You hear me? Booty's going crazy. You hear me? <laughs> that second look, part. If, y'all, if you listen to the words in Bad Religion, and yeah. Pink Matter, too. Uh, but Bad Religion, man, I was just like, dog, dude is. And, I mean, he talked about the different things he had he's to so deal deep, with. Bro. And, yeah, he he's off the chain, man. So um, the last topic we're going to talk about today is sexual harassment in the workplace, and I'll just read off a couple of ways and a couple of situations that can create sexual harassment. So quid pro quo sexual harassment, which you know, give something to get something. Um, hostile sexual harassment, which is involuntary sexual acts or requests for. Uh, so what is sexual harassment? And some, and some things that are deemed sexual harassment are comments involving a person's body, jokes with a sexual connotation, requests to go on a date or perform sexual favors, discussing one's life at work and unwelcome touching. Damn it, what can you do? Discussing one's sex life at work. Right. Yeah. Uh, but look, come on, man. What, what are you going to I mean, what? It boils down to you can't ask somebody on a date. Oh, look! It boils down to you. Just better be careful and know who it is you interacting with. Because at the company I used to work for in Kansas, dog, listen, we talked about sex. Everybody was talking about sex like every day. Yeah. But you know, if you come across that one person that if you say you can make a little comment. Uh, you know, it could be misconstrued or something like Y'all that. Y'all probably think it's a joke, but I've sued a woman for sexual harassment. You before. told me you about have? that. Yes. Anthony's suit is because of the dress, man. Suit, what did she say? I, so or basically, do? I was at work, and it was one of those things where it was like she was nice to everybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, she would come to my desk, and, you know, she would come over and be like, hey, it just started off like, hey, how you doing? Yada, yada, yada. Then it would be like, oh, you know, I heard you like this. And she would bring like a little gift basket or whatever. Then she would start cooking, and um, she would wear whatever. And I. the reason, this is when it went too far, bro. I, w- I stayed after work one day, I was working at a financial company and i unbuttoned like i had a towel but i buttoned it down to like unbuttoned it down to like the second button right and like all i felt was somebody come over and like stick their hand down my shirt what like i had titties <laughs> she stuck I mean? her hand down your shirt like, I, like you did you what i said like i had titties. she cupped you <laughs> like i had titties wow so then, she tried to pull it out yeah so that was <laughs> So that was uncomfortable, and then yeah, and then uh, one day she came over another time with a short dress on, and like she like kind of crossed her legs on my desk. She pulled a basic instinct yeah, on you. No panties on. Yep, basic instinct. Wow. And then like she was like, she would always be like, "I see that print." Wow. No. Yes. Like you know when you, you got, got a nice bolt, but you know when you got the slacks on, you yeah, know, you got the church slacks on, it's like it all becomes to a confined yeah ball. Yeah, it's like you all know? the way to the left too. Yeah, I don't it, get that. It, it, you know, so it was just like compact. And she she always, said, "I like that." She said, "I like that 
that she, what? She said you have a nice print. You have a nice print. That's <laughs> sexual harassment. You know what I'm saying? So, so basically, you know. I, oh my you know, goodness. I felt uncomfortable, and I literally went to HR, bro. I felt like a hoe when I went to, uh, you know, the HR. But I had to go down there. But the thing that messed it up, bro, was when I went to HR. The woman that I told, it's supposed to be confidential, but she knew the like the lady. They were friends, so she told uh, the manager above her. She was my supervisor. They told each other, and they basically kind of ganged on me and got me fired. So I filed a lawsuit, went to the EEOC. I wrote up my own documents and paperwork, and we went. So when we went, they tried to say we didn't have a case. But when it finally got down to the nitty-gritty and they were able to recover the emails that she had sent me, like, they saw. And then the way the other attorneys tried to play it, he was like, well, is your penis broken? Did she do any kind of damage to you? And I was like, no. But <laughs> is your penis broken? Yeah, he was trying to insult me. You know what I'm saying? And I went and got a black boy. I would have Shout out to Robert E. Lee. He That's was the, his net, the lawyer? The lawyer that, uh, that, that I had. And he uh, <laughs> you know, threw me off, bro. Yeah, Robert E. Lee. That's the joke. used to destroy the Lee Confederacy. In high yeah. That's so the president think, of the I think, Confederacy. I think it was uh, Lee in Brazil was the name of the uh, firm. But, yeah, man, he, he got me. Got me paid, man. Wow. That's crazy. That you got a nice bulge. She said you got a nice print. And I've been oh. tucking that thing ever since. Oh, <laughs> man. Everybody ain't able, man. Man, that is funny. So, that is funny. So sexual harassment, man, that's just a it's – a, it's a, I mean, it's a relevant topic because I think it's something that – a lot of, you know, naturally you think women, and mostly I think it is women that suffer from it. Obviously, when you have this man with dreads and, and these broad shoulders and this barrel and chest, some women can't contain themselves, apparently. But but it, it is tough for me because you know my personality. I'm, I'm pretty boisterous. Uh, you know, I like to have fun. I don't, like, I don't take life too seriously. I joke around. And I do have a certain level of uh, mannishness, to, you know, whatever. Yeah. I keep, you know, some things are, whatever. I, I say things, but it's not, my intent is not, you correct, know, I don't, I don't want, like, to touch you or anything like that. So I've had to, in my maturity at a younger age, you know, I would say, any, especially in the Air Force, I would say anything. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I would say things that would make, I think, people uncomfortable but they knew me so they was like okay it's cool chris is does not you know he's not coming at me like that but as i've grown up i've like had to really assess my environment but you can get sexual harassment for anything like uh, well. gary could come by and say hey man thank good work today miss lady or good work today whatever the lady's name is she could be like he touched my shoulder right so it depends on and, that just, level. and then say like he touched it in a certain kind of way and then he's gone right right and well, so i think it, it's dangerous man and you know but i think there is a reality of sexism more you know generally that creates the context where people you know you do have men that will and and women clearly yeah uh, <laughs> but but probably, like you were saying, Chris, the majority of times in the workplace and outside of the workplace. But I've there's been instances at at, at my school where uh, little comments have been made, or even to the point where you know a, a a male faculty member may say to a female faculty member, "You call her dear," or just kinds of things that kind of further kind of I don't know how to really explain it, but it's kind of that implicit sexism that lets you know that you know I'm kind of taking care of you, that paternalistic yeah. kind of thing where. You know, I'm I'm like over you or your mentor, and I think that's something that really uh, you know d people deal with a lot in the workplace. And I'm hoping I'm hoping that my little sister, who's uh, in law school, will call in because I know she's talked to me a little bit before about uh, people like sexism from a woman's perspective and stuff like that. Because I know how it's pre just like racism, how it's kind of written into the structures that we live in. It's 
you know, sexism is, is it goes on in ways that I don't even recognize that I'm being sexist sometimes, but, you know, so. Yeah, it's like, you know, you you don't mean to necessarily be this male chauvinist pig um, just because, you know. So, go ahead. No, uh, okay. Um, I got thrown off. Uh, I got distracted. Four and minutes. They <laughs> put that sign up. I don't know how people do it, man. I get, I get flustered. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but I think it's important, um, just, you know, given the time and, uh, I think it's important that we do take other people into consideration because I know, like I was saying, like in my, as I matured, I really had to assess my environment to say, Hey, I can't talk like I do at home or in the locker room or whatever, like I do here. And honestly, the stuff I'm saying in those places, maybe sometimes aren't appropriate to say no matter what, even though I've never, I don't disparage women or I don't don't disparage other people. But, you know, sometimes the explicit nature, whether it's funny or whether you don't mean it to be to stick, it's like, well, you know, would that make someone uncomfortable? Uh, You know, I think it's really important that you take those considerations uh, when you're in those professional environments. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, it's easy to kind of get off track. And I think, like you say, when when you're talking about sex, you could be. And the thing about a sexual sexual harassment can also be like if I'm talking to you about a date that I went on and how explicitly right, got and right. somebody hears it. Yeah. It's, and I'm like, well, hell, it's my business. Like, why are you listening? What if somebody's offended by your print? What if your print just keeps like, growing at work and they're like, and they'd be like, his crotch is too big. His crotch is too big, and it keeps gr- every time he gets he up, keeps, he gets. I think it he keeps does going that on off. purpose. He wear he pulls his pants up on purpose. Well, I tell you, know? I can't really wear slacks. Like it's something about the smoothness of slacks, and I, you think I'm uh. lying. <laughs> you can ask any girl I've ever dated. They'd be like, and not to be funny. When last time I told you I wore a suit? You told me you ain't worn a suit in a long, long time. time. And if I wore a suit coat, I'm wearing it with jeans. That texture just rubbing up against that. It's like a soft touch of. You're a like line. the Pinocchio. <laughs> You're like. Yeah, you can't get away with no lie. It just keeps going out. I don't even go nowhere like, you know, literally, like if I go to the gym, like I don't wear gray shorts. You know gray shorts. You know, we're men. You wear gray, gray shorts. shorts your are print very, is showing. Yeah. It's I've noticed like that recently because yeah. I have two pair of gray shorts I work out in. And I've actually found myself almost self-conscious yeah. where I'm doing like pull-ups or something. You and know, you're like, where you're like, pull, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, dog, I got to like, make sure my shirt. Is that meat showing? Because oh, of the yeah. fact that men aren't the only ones that look at women. Women, women yeah. be, I've, I've yeah. heard women they, talk they about. They admire bulges. They I appreciate analyze bulges. Well, I'm going to tell you like this. Battle of the I'm, bulge. Well, but the thing about it is, as a man, I mean, unless you're tucking that thing or you strapping it down, you know, with multiple layers, because I know I wear multiple layers because I don't like whatever. But it's like, unless if you're not wearing multiple layers and you ain't showing nothing, <laughs> it's like the cleavage thing with women. They want to show it just a little, just a little, a little bit. bit. You got to know it's there. <laughs> but if you got, you know, I've seen dudes, and you know, you in the gym, you working, and you like this Negro's lap is flat. <laughs> He got a flat lap, <laughs> and I'm not gay, but you I, you know, flat I, lap. me gazing, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know that? Pecker, pecker, checker. Got a flat lap, man. But you know, I mean, I think guys like you know, women, you know, they they don't want anybody looking at their booty and all of that. I mean, guys feel so. I know for me, like I say, you know, you got some guys walk around and they just whatever. I literally, I swear to God, uh, like two years ago, I was walking through Dillard's uh, with Artesia. And she's like, oh, my God. And I looked over, and this dude had some gray jogging pants. I just like, this Negro had a garden tool in his pants. I was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Put that thing away. Uh, he couldn't. Lord. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking like like near his knee. Lord. <laughs> I was like, this. That's com- that makes me uncomfortable, to be honest with you. I his daddy had to be Mr. Ed. <laughs> 
Honestly, that's why I got my dog's nuts cut off because I was like, "Look, man, you can't you can't be walking around here with no hard ons. You can't, hey, you can't walk around this house with hard ons." I already told. Him, I said, you "Go, go, get out of here with." It. I put him out in the backyard when he starts getting a little too we excited. Did, we didn't get coach fix, and he and he has humped a couple friends that have come over. And that's no, all right. Coach is his daddy's son. He's harassing everybody. Everybody. <laughs> all right. Well, that's the end of our show. Again, you're listening to the reality is with your host Anthony Roberts, co-host Gary Green. Yep. Christian Evans. <laughs> Y'all have a wonderful weekend, and we will hear you next week. Your yeah. voice is just loud. You just <laughs> you got too much bass in your voice. Well, you know you know what they say. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, if you want to listen in, if you missed this show, you can also go to iTunes and catch us on iTunes. Just download the app, put in The Reality Is, T-H-A, The Reality Is, and we are there. You can hit us up with any comments or topics you have on info at The Reality Is, and you can find us on Twitter. Facebook and Instagram at The Reality Is. We look forward to hearing from you guys and you have a blessed week. Peace! for you an inside look at the local covid vaccine trial for kids what children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated today at 4 p.m on nbc4 tonight it's the voice live rounds and nick jonas wants his first win let's get this done who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here watch live and vote to save your face the voice live rounds tonight on nbc Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's The Voice Live Rounds and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your face. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC.